Good morning. Good morning. Phil Eckler, a sleep this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Just keep trying that until I get something. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We're getting there. Thank you. Um, I'm going to lay this back here and if I go get it. So. Oh, man. Um, so excited to be with you guys this morning. Um, so excited to just open the Word of God together. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 9 this morning. And uh, I'm, I'm really just excited about these few verses. They're not a bunch of verses this morning for you guys, but thank you, Jesus. Um, um, and the reality of it is, and my heart is blown up for what God wants to do in this place. Amen. That maybe sounds funny because some of you guys will look around and like, this person not here, this person not here, this person not here. That's great. You can count them all day long. Keep going. Um, there's always somebody that's not going to be here until the whole world gets in here. So. If that's what's going to keep you down this morning, just be down, I guess, I can't do that for you. Um, but the reality of it is, there's one person that matters to hear this morning, that's Jesus, and I'm pretty sure he shows up. Um, so this morning, I'm so excited about this. I got a text this morning, it's like, hey, it's a new day, and uh, it's your first uh, gathering with a 30-year-old, which is weird. Um, but what was funny about that, and it reminded me, I've had this mental block in me for the past like four years. Uh, you can't do this because you're just 20-something. Yeah. And um, there was always that number at 30. Jesus started his ministry he was 30. And I don't know if that's where I made that up from or whatever. But Satan was like, man, you're not 30. You can't believe these people. You're young. They don't, whatever. And I got that text this morning. So you know what? We're here. Um, <laughs> we're here. And um, the devil is a liar. Um, Look what God's done before I was 30. Um, now we got to get to work, though, right? It's not done. We're not done. Um, but this morning, we're going to be in Matthew 9, and I'm so excited about this. We started a new series last week called Follow Me, and uh, I'll be completely honest. Last week, I had to go home and process everything that I said because none of it was what I studied. Um, like three <laughs> seconds of that was what I studied. And um, I always leave out of that feeling, like, man, I was horrible, it was so bad, was whatever. And, um, you know, at school I got a couple text messages last week, and it was great, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I say all that to say, man, it is evident that it is God. Um, <laughs> and it's not me. Because um, even when I think that I'm doing horrible, uh, God is at work. And this um, morning it's not really about me, it's just about Him. But last week we started that. Um, Series follow me, and I'll just be honest. It's a yet another uh, series about discipleship, or following Jesus. It feels like the whole year that's what we've been talking about. I don't know if we talked about anything else. Can't really remember anything else. This has just kind of been the heartbeat this year. But the truth of it is, and there's a reason that God keeps saying it, right? Like He would let me go to something else. We could we could be on down the road. It wasn't a reason that we were talking about this. Um, the reason we're talking about this is. Um, and so few of us, I think, really get the truth of this. Um, I was raised in church. I would say that if I, if I took a poll this morning, there'd be a lot of us that feel the same way. I, I don't know that I ever really had a, a long period of time outside of church. There was a couple of weeks that we just went to Walmart. I'll be honest, dressed up. Went to Walmart. Uh, <laughs> it looked like we went to church, but we didn't. Um, it was pretty awesome. Um, but I, I was raised in church, and for me, I always heard this word, saved, um, you get saved, you get saved, and you get saved. That was all people talked about, like, probably still today. Um, and for me, what that meant is, 
I need to come up to the front of the room, I need to, you know, bow down, which is weird, and pray something, which I don't know what I'm going to say, it's how it works, but we don't know anything about God. Um, come up here and I'll pray, and then suddenly, somehow, everything's going to be okay, and I just, it didn't really register for me, but one day when I was 11, like, God did something in my heart, and all that opened up, because, man, it, it does make sense now, yes, there is a Savior, and I need that guy, but what I thought, I'll be honest, was I need him, because I don't want to go to hell, right? Yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah. Hell yes. sucks, that's obvious, <laughs> nobody wants to go to hell, nobody seriously in their mind wants to go to hell, you hear people joke about it, like, Oh, I'm going to lock hell up, or they're going to kick me out, because I'm whatever, that's crap. Uh, if you know anything about hell, it's, that's crap. You're not going to do that. You're not going to lock it. It's not going to be a party. Uh, you're going to burn for eternity. That doesn't actually sound fun. And anybody that can mentally process that, it's like, okay, that's not something I want to do. You think that's true, go just get a lighter later, hold your hand under it, and just let it go as long as you can. If you can make it from here to the end of your life with a lighter in the palm of your hand, maybe that's a small taste of what hell will be like. This doesn't stop you don't eventually lose feeling. You just burn forever. It's not fun. And I thought, man, I don't want to do that. I could process that. Anybody should be able to process that. That sounds horrible. That's ridiculous. Nobody wants to do that. And that's what I thought at 11 years old. And that's that's the deal. That's the that's the sum total of the Christian life. We don't want to burn, so we pray a prayer, and then we try to be good. Actually, I didn't figure out anything different for the next 10 or 11 years, so it's 21, and then I started learning something about this God that I've been saying that I've been following for all these years, and the truth of it is, I'll be honest, I still have not figured it all out. I hope I don't, because when I do, I'll quit. Right? When I think I've got it all, I'll stop. I'll never get it all. It'll take eternity to figure it all out. The reality of it is, man, you can read through this book over and over again, and you never see Jesus walk up to somebody and say, Hey, say the same sinner's prayer. Say the sinner's prayer. Do your deal. Right? Come to that. Go find it. Come to it. I challenge you. I'll, I'll get up here and apologize next week. You find it. He never walks up and says, Hey, do you just not want to go to hell? Because if so, just say this prayer, and then everything's going to be okay. Never says that. Actually, every invitation I ever see that God give, he walks up, he says, Follow me. That's just the invitation. He's not like, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. But follow me. He calls you out in public. Follow me. And then people have to get up and do something about that or not. And following Jesus looks like what? Being his friend. Every one of these guys, they left everything they had and they walked around with Jesus in the woods and like slept in, <laughs> slept in the dirt. Like that's what they did. They, they didn't have an awesome, awesome life. They just followed Jesus around. They were his friend. Hang out with him. They knew more about Jesus than this word will ever probably tell us about Jesus. They knew what jokes he liked. They knew, they knew what his favorite catchphrases were. Well, we won't know that stuff on this side of the thing, but these guys got to be in on that. They had an intimate relationship with Jesus. That's what following Jesus is about. And it clicked for me, man. The choice has never been about heaven and hell. It's always been about Jesus or no Jesus, right? You either want Jesus or you don't want Jesus. It's not It's not a choice of do I want to burn or do I not want to burn, although that's a great side effect. But the choice has always been do I want Jesus or do I not want Jesus. Yeah. And that's what following Jesus is. Do, do I want to be around Jesus? Do I want to be near Jesus? Do I want to know Jesus? Do I want to be the friend of Jesus? Do I, do I want to have a relationship with Jesus or would I rather do my thing? And then the truth of it is, the reason I think we keep talking about these things is I still really don't think we get it. Oh, yeah, I want to be Jesus' friend. I'll show up one day a week and visit for an hour. It's longer than that. 
Oh yeah, I really want to be Jesus' friend, so I'll, I'll listen to the rap radio station. Yeah, I really want to be Jesus' friend, so I'm going to throw my life, I'm going to leverage my life and my resources to make that happen. I'm going to throw everything in to a relationship with the living, breathing God. That's what following Jesus looks like. And that's what we're going to talk about again this week. Man, I can quit there because that's the sum total of what I'm going to talk about. I'll let you know if you don't hear anything else, it's great. I'm going to go. But this morning we're going to talk about that in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 uh, is kind of amazing to me because it's where Jesus calls Matthew to be his disciple. The, the cool thing about that is this book is written by who? Matthew. Can, can you imagine that? This is an eyewitness account of when Jesus called this man to follow him. He got to write it down in a story that you're still reading today. This was like, what, 2,000 years ago that this happened, uh, maybe maybe a little longer now. And, and this is the story of that, that today we're sitting in a room and we're coming around. Matthew's story of conversion is still something worth talking about. And Matthew's been dead in heaven for a long time. Amen. Some of you guys are like, oh, I can't tell my story. I can't tell me. Nobody wants to hear my story. My story's not fantastic. His story is like four verses. It doesn't have to be a novel, but this morning there's some reason that we're still talking about this thing. Like, oh, my story's not good. I wasn't this thing or this thing or this thing. You were dead. That's a pretty good story. Amen. Right. And now you're alive. Amen. And this morning we're going to read an eyewitness account of what happened to Matthew when Jesus came up on the scene. That's amazing to me. Can you imagine like him writing this down? <laughs> this is so awesome. Telling the story of Jesus. And here I am, right in the middle. Our lives too, if we leverage everything to be a sword. You don't have to be your sword, you can just be a big piece of this, and it's better. This morning, Matthew 9, you see that I can find it because my Bible's very little now, um, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start in verse 9, 9 9. And it says, as Jesus went on from there, now if we did just started there, we wouldn't know where there was, so fill you in. There is Capernaum. We see in the beginning of this chapter, Jesus rolls up to Capernaum in a boat, and he gets out of the boat, and as soon as he gets out of the boat, some men meet him, and then they bring this paralytic man to him, a man that's been paralyzed probably from birth, maybe never walked before, um, and, and they bring him to him, and they're like, Jesus, can you do something about this? And Jesus goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can. Um, so they bring this paralytic man to Jesus, and Jesus looks at the man, and he says something weird. He's coming for healing, and Jesus looks at him, and he's like, your sins are forgiven. That's not what I wanted. I just wanted my legs to work, right? It's great. Thank you for saying that. Uh, you're a cool guy with a beard, and you do stuff, but I want to walk. Right? See, for some reason, Jesus chooses to go directly for the sin. He didn't heal the guy and then fix the sin. He went directly for the sin and then heals the guy. The truth of it is, man, some of us maybe look at the story and we relate because we're this guy where Jesus just healed us and he said, hey, you're forgiven of your sins. You're like, well, my legs don't work. You're forgiven of your sins. I don't really care about that. Thank you. I wanted my life to be okay. I didn't really care about that, thank you. I, I'd rather walk. Uh, the sins part, whatever. I, I don't even know what that means, but I, I want everything to be okay. But the reality of it is, man, the important part is the first part. 
Some of you guys maybe you come up here and you said that prayer and everything's not all together. You come and you ask Jesus, hey, would you save me? Would you do whatever the deal is? And you get up and you expect you not want anything you shouldn't want or say anything you shouldn't say or go through any battles or any storms or go through any troubles and any trials and you think everything's going to be okay. But the truth of it is, man, the thing that needs to be okay is our souls, right? Amen. And that's the first thing. And if Jesus gets done with that thing, then maybe we'll have time to move on to the rest of the things. But man, Jesus is taking care of our sins and that's the big deal. So people walked up and they're like, hey, 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 you can't tell somebody who sins are forgiven. You don't have the authority or the power or the ability to do that. And Jesus says, okay, now so that you know I have the power to forgive sin, I'm going to tell you something. Get up and walk. And the guy does. He gets up and he walks. It's an amazing thing. See, the reality of it is, man, God will take care of our sin problem. All those other things are just to show us, man, that God is there and He can do what He says He's going to do. God working in our lives is just to show us, man, that God really did answer the prayer. God really did come on the scene. And you know what? Maybe He doesn't do all that at one time and all that in one moment because He needs a lifetime to show you that He's still around, right? Amen. So He tells this guy, get up and walk, and the guy gets up and walks. It's an amazing thing. It's a miracle in Capernaum, and then Jesus continues on the journey. This is kind of all the story we get of this man. We don't get his name, we don't know who he is, whatever. And that's where we enter verse 9. It says, as Jesus went on from there, as Jesus went on from Capernaum, as Jesus went on healing this man, Jesus wasn't done today. It says, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. Now, that's great. This is pretty much the whole story of Matthew, right? Matthew didn't want us to know certain things about the story, apparently, in his telling of this, because we see in Mark that as Jesus was coming, he was coming to the crowd. Jesus had just healed this guy, and all these people had seen Jesus heal this guy, and all these people weren't about to turn away from the show today. They weren't done yet. They wanted more of Jesus. They wanted to see more of Jesus. So Jesus comes to Matthew's tax office that day, but he comes bringing a group of people. We see actually in Mark that Matthew's name at this point in time was even Matthew, but it was guy named Levi. Strong biblical name, right? He got <laughs> And you're like, well, what is Matthew doing at the tax office? So we got to go all the way over to John to see that. In John chapter 5, we see that Matthew isn't just hanging out waiting to have his taxes done. Matthew actually is a tax collector. When we take all three of those pieces, all three of those pictures, and shove them together, we get a, a full scene of what's going on in this moment. Jesus is coming into the city with a reason, and he's coming for a reason, and that reason is to encounter Matthew that day, or Levi that day. As he's coming, he's coming with a, a big crowd of people and he approaches this tax office and he meets a man in the tax office named Levi who is a tax collector. Now some of you guys don't have to even explain that and you know that you don't like tax collectors. Like you're already done, you're like, that's great, IRS sucks, they take my money, I hate them. I want my check, I want my whole check, they shouldn't take anything. So I don't have to explain anything to some of you guys, but for some of you guys who maybe don't have jobs yet or <laughs> apparently don't realize how much money they take out of your... Um, check. Let me just fill you in on some things. Um, tax collectors all over the world have been like hated forever, but it's different in this society because it's compounded. In this society, it's nobody likes you because you're a tax collector, but then there's a list of other reasons that nobody likes you. Tax collectors are viewed as like traitors in this society because tax collectors in you know, Israel or in um, in, in this place in Palestine are people that were Jews or are Jews by religion or by birth, that have sold out to the Roman government, this imperial government has come in and kind of taken over this, this oppressive government. They sold out to this oppressive government so that they can make money for themselves. 
So they, 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 at some expense to themselves, basically bought like a franchise and collecting taxes so that they can receive more money and they can get more wealthy. And what they do in this, because it's allowed, is they take up the taxes, but anything extra they can get from the taxes, they'll charge you for. So if Nick's taxes are $5, but I can shake down $10 out of Nick, I get to take the five and put it over in the wrong pile, but if the other five goes straight to me. So basically what they would do is they would try to get and extract the most amount of money that they could out of people. It wasn't the bare minimum kind of tax thing and they got the cut off of that. The Roman government got their cut and then anything on top of that they could get, they had for themselves. So they made their money shaking down people that they could be intimidated. Elderly, widows, anybody basically they could take more money from without getting killed in the streets, they would do so. And then they, they made a great fortune for themselves, shaking down their own people. And then, on top of that, these poor people that they're stealing all these money from have to watch them live in the same city, this extravagant lifestyle, in the big house, with big pool, with lots of animals, with a lot of food. I'm here barely making it because they're stealing all my money and they're up there on the hill going to party. Tax collectors were viewed as the same thing as Gentiles, as pagans. They, they, they were viewed as people who had no, basically, direct line to God. They were people who couldn't come into the presence of God. They were viewed as the bottom of the bottom. They were this worst class of sinner. They were traitors. They were thieves. And this is the Levi that we see Jesus encountering at night. You can imagine the tension as Jesus walks up to the tax office that day, and here comes this crowd of Jews who, by the way, don't like tax collectors behind them. And Jesus walks in, and they're thinking, man, he's going for blood. This is about to be off. And Jesus is about to just tell him off. He's about to tell him where to take that tax job and put it. Like, he's about to knock him down. It's about to be over. The, the deal is done. Watch Jesus do this. Because we've heard how he talks to Pharisees. We've seen how he talks to Sadducees, man. If he can do that to the religious people, I cannot wait to see what he does to this sinner who's taking all my money. Right? Actually, Matthew probably, Levi probably even thought, man, this is about to be bad. They're coming for me. And they're about to just hang me up out here outside the tax office. Because for Levi's entire life, what he would have known was these people, these religious people, these Jews that hated him, saying, you can't get to God, you shouldn't God. Don't come to the temple today, Levi, because we know you're a tax collector and you got no spot in here. Don't move up to the, don't come up the steps even to the house of God. Don't even turn your eyes to the house of God because God's not going to hear you, God's not going to see you, because he knows you're a sinner. And you're just going to burn, 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 burn. So this is the tension as Jesus walks up in the room that day. Levi's freaking out. The crowd is ready for blood. And here is Jesus. Everybody's wondering what's Jesus going to do? What's Jesus going to say? What's, what's going to go down right here? And then Jesus looks at Levi. And he says, Sinner, say the sinner's prayer. <laughs> huh? Oh, it's not there. Oh, awesome. Let me try again. I'm going to read this. Let's see this. You're going to go to hell. You better repent. Right? Oh, he didn't say that either. Let me read the Bible and see what the Bible says. Oh, he said, follow me. Jesus walks up to this tax collector, this worst of the worst, this 
bottom of the barrel tax collector, this guy who shouldn't even have a shot at God. God himself walks up and he says, not hey, you're going to hell, or hey, you better repent, or hey, turn from your wicked ways, sinner. Hey, I'm passing judgment on you. He walks up to him and he says, follow me. Isn't that crazy? Jesus picks out the worst guy in the crowd, like literally came to Capernaum, went to the worst place that he could find to find the worst person he could find, the, the guy that's got more stuff not together than anybody else. He's got a crowd full of people that he could have said, follow me to. He's got a city full of people that he could have said, follow me to. Yet he goes into Levi's tax office, right up where everybody's like, man, this guy's not coming to God, this guy can't come to God, this guy can't be around God. There's no way ever he's getting there. Jesus walks up, locks eyes with him, looks at him with love. He says, hey, I've got a great idea today, Levi. How about you follow me? Come on. Can you imagine the people in the crowd? There's probably no comments going on at this point in time because the air just got sucked out of Capernaum. Not the room, but the city. Because nobody thought that was going to happen. And Jesus walks up and he says, Follow me. And this crazy thing happens. It says, so he got up and followed him. That's crazy. What do you mean? This guy is the worst of the worst. This guy needs like center rehab. <laughs> this guy, he, he doesn't know anything really about God and Lord Jesus because he's been outcast for some time now. And Jesus walks up into the room. He says, follow me. He just gets up. It's, it's too simple. It's weird. Right. You can imagine here, Levi actually, Jesus says, follow me. And there had to be a moment where he was like, who are you talking to? You? <laughs> Don't you see, like, I'm, I'm Levi. I'm, I'm not just here getting my taxes. I'm, I'm counting money that I stole from people. This was from you, and this was from you, and this was from you. Who are you talking to, Jesus? There had to be a moment that was like that. But when he realized that Jesus is not looking at, there's nobody else on that side of the room. When he realized that Jesus is talking to somebody else, he's talking to him, it says that he immediately got up and he followed him. He did not say, let me think about it. He did not say, man, I'm busy counting this money right now. Come back in about three hours, I'll be done, and then we can go wherever. You didn't make any excuses. Here's why. Let me just be honest with you. Because when that level of grace walks into your life, when that ocean of mercy comes into the room and you really see it, like you don't just see it like somebody that, oh, you don't have to go to hell today, but you see that God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, walks up into your space and he says, hey, you, back there, you, over there, I'm inviting you to come with me. You don't turn down that invitation. You don't delay that invitation. See, my fear is that if some of us are maybe not following or we, we said a prayer sometime but now our lives reflect nothing of, of the Son of God, maybe there's just a moment where we've paused and we've reflected. Maybe if we've done that, then we've not seen it. Maybe we saw him in hell. seems like a sucky place. I don't want to go there. So we came and prayed a little prayer and we got up and nothing changed. 
But guess what? Anybody with half a brain can see hell is not going to be a good place. And anybody can emotionally pray a prayer of, I don't want to go to hell. That's great. But then it's not follow me exactly, is it? Because like I said, follow me is this attitude of, I want to know God, and I want to have a relationship with God, and I want to feel God, and I want to experience God, and I will leverage my life to make that happen. And the reality of it is, if we've ever seen that ocean of grace, if we've ever seen that mountain of mercy walk into the room and lock eyes with us and say, hey, I'm picking you, hey, I want you, hey, I really, really, really need you to come with me right now. I want to be your friend. I want to know you, and I want to be known by you. If you've ever seen that, if you've ever experienced that, man, it would be hard-pressed for me to think that you just said some prayer and got up and nothing changed. Because that's not exactly what following you looks like. So Jesus says, simple invitation. Not, hey, everybody head out, every eye closed. Now, if you would then probably make a decision in your heart. But, hey, in front of all these people, in front of this crowd, today, Matthew, I'm here in the tax office. I'm saying, I want you. What are you going to do about it? And against all odds, Matthew here stands up and he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm coming with you. And somebody, somebody told me about you. I never thought I would see you. Man, I heard stories just a few minutes ago. Somebody ran in and like, that dude just healed some guy that's never walked before. I even know that guy. And I never thought you would come here. And now you're here. And you're looking at me. Nobody does that. And you're saying, follow me. Nobody wants me around with them. And I think I will. So he gets up. And he follows I just want you to know in that moment when he gets up and follows him, he's leaving a lot literally on the table. <laughs> this man is in the tax office counting the money that he's collected for the Roman government. They're not going to be happy. And himself. He's, he's not just leaving, though, a table full of money. He's leaving his very livelihood. He, at great expense to himself, became a tax collector, and now the family business is shut down. Somebody's hanging a sign on the door saying, close, because you just don't walk back into that. You don't get wrong their money, and you don't get another shot at that. You can't follow Jesus for two or three months and be like, oh, it's not for me, and come right on back around to the tax office, because there's going to be a new tax collector in town, and they're going to be that. He's leaving his expensive lifestyle because Jesus is, by all thoughts and imagination, a homeless man. Straggly, dirty Jesus. Not quite perfectly trimmed beard and hair. He's leaving the nice bed and the nice lifestyle and the retirement plan by the sea. All that stuff is down the drain, flushed. He's leaving hopes, dreams, aspirations on the table. Actually, his whole life is out there on the table, and he turns around and walks out because now it's not about that life, it's about Jesus. And it says he followed him. What's your follow look like? Hold on, Jesus. You got all my stuff. I'm with you. He didn't do any of that. 
You could have easily grabbed a handful of money off the table and said, I'm not going to do that. He leaves it all and follows him. This is in verse 10. We've got one whole verse so far. <laughs> While he, he being Jesus, was capitalized, reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came as guests to eat with Jesus and his disciples. So it's safe to say that there was some time that has passed here. There was some way that they got from the tax office to the house. They weren't connected, but you know it. But if you just take the story for what it is, then Matthew followed Jesus to Matthew's house. Right? <laughs> they got up and followed him, and then we're in Matthew's house. Now, some of you guys, this is where you would insert the 38 years of time that don't actually exist between these two verses. Then they went out into the wilderness, and Jesus trained them for years and years and years and years, and taught them to be a spiritual imagination of God, and memorized the whole Bible together, and taught them how to pray, and taught them how to do these great spiritual deeds and acts. And then they came back to Matthew's house 38 years later and sat down for dinner. <laughs> Problem is, is in my verses 9 and 10. And Jesus didn't have 38 years at this point in time. But for some reason, some way, they ended up, I believe, the same day in Matthew's house. And Jesus now is sitting around the table or uh, lounging around the table. And in this moment, Matthew had invited all of his friends. And who were Matthew's friends? The priest, right? And the people that would normally hang out. His friends were tax collectors and sinners because that's the only people that would hang out with Matthew. Matthew didn't have religious and holy and good friends. He had bottom of the barrel people because he was the bottom of the barrel person. So he invited all these bottom of the barrel people to sit with Jesus at dinner that night. It probably looked like America's most wanted hanging out right around the table with Jesus because it was full of extortionists. It was full of sinners. Whatever label you want to put on that. It's an all-encompassing home. It was full of people that for no reason should it look like Jesus and the disciples would be hanging out with because they're religious people, right? They're good people, right? They're, they're supposed to be different, hang out with different people. All their friends are supposed to be church friends. In this moment, Jesus is sitting around this table with these guys who were the only guys that Matthew had to offer up to Jesus. All I got is lost friends, Jesus. I can't bring you to church because all I got is lost friends. So they pull up to the table, and for what it seems like, Jesus is pretty okay with that. This is in 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, so they weren't going to ask Jesus. He's put down too many times. Why does your teacher, why does that rabbi, that guy that says he's like us, that guy who says that he knows the Bible, that guy who claims that he might even be the Savior, people are whispering that he might be the Messiah, that guy, why, why, why is he sitting around with these sinners and tax collectors? I could read to you a list of how every one of those people at that table with Jesus shouldn't be at that table with Jesus, and Jesus is who he says he is.
Here's what Jesus does. It says it's been in 12, but when Jesus heard this, Jesus must have good ears. He said, those who are well don't need a doctor. You imagine this conversation going on over here and they're kind of cutting down Jesus behind his back and then Jesus hears them, which is not a good thing. And Jesus turns toward him and he's like, hey, I'll just say over all the group here because everybody needs to hear this. I did not come for the well. I came for the sick. This is sick in the doctor. That's what I'm here for. I didn't come to eat and to dine and to be with people that have it all together. I came to eat and to dine and to be with the people who don't. Jesus here himself dashing every excuse we've ever made while we cannot come to God. Because some of us go, nope, he wouldn't want me because fill in the blank. Nope, I can't pray because fill in the blank. Nope, I can't read because fill in the blank. Nope, I cannot come to God because fill in the blank. And Jesus looks back and he's like, yes, you can. Because I didn't come for those other people because there are none. I came for you. I didn't show up at the doctor's office today to meet with well people. That's not how that works. I would go out of business. I came to meet with the sick. I came to meet with the hurting. I came to meet with the broken. I came to meet with the dying. I came to meet with the messed up. I came to meet with the bottom of the barrel. I came to meet with the tax collectors and the sinners. That's what I'm here for. And I can sit at the table all day long, all year long, for the rest of my life, and none of that's ever going to rub off on me, but I guarantee you some of you is going to rub off on me. Do you hear that, tax collectors? I didn't come for them. Do you hear that, sinners? I, I didn't come for them. I came for you. And then Jesus looks at those people, those religious people, those high and mighty people, those people who think they have it all together but really don't. And he says these words, and I never really got this, but he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Now I get the second half, because Pharisees and Sadducees, they worked in the temple. They were religious people. They would have known a whole lot about sacrifice, and they would have offered up lots of sacrifices. They would have brought in lots of goats and bulls and things like that, because that's how you get mercy from God in the Old Testament system. You kill something, that blood forgives your sins. That's how it works. And they would have been great about that, even though they didn't think they had very many sins. But this echoes Isaiah 6 6. And what God is saying in this moment is people come to me and ask for forgiveness, but they do not extend forgiveness. And if you want forgiveness, you have to give forgiveness. That's what he's saying. Pharisees, you don't have it all together. You are jacked up too. Because you're looking down on everybody else and you're telling everybody else how they don't have it together because you bring a stupid goat in a temple every once in a while. The truth is, man, you are a sinner and you look down on people and you judge people and you condemn people, people made in the image of God and you look down on them. And the truth and reality of it is you're a sinner and they're a sinner and there's no distinction in that. You can be a religious sinner. You can be a sinner who comes to church every time the door's open. You, you can be a sinner who knows all the songs and listens to Christian radio. 
You can be a sinner who reads the Bible and who prays a lot. You can be that. You can be a sinner who's the most generous sinner ever in the world. You can be that. And Jesus looks at these guys and he's like, man, you want mercy from God, yet you don't extend mercy. Shouldn't someone who gets a whole lot of mercy also give a whole lot of mercy? Why should I give you mercy more than them? And he says, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's how Jesus ends the conversation with these guys, these guys who got their nice little dress and robes on, got their nice little clean-cut hair and beard, nice little temple hat on, nice little religious staff. They would have tattoos, but that's not allowed in the law. They'd have like Bible verse tattoos, but that's not allowed in the law. He looks at these people and he says, I didn't, I didn't come here. I didn't come all this way. I didn't move heaven just to come down here and hang out with righteous people. I came because there was a world full of people that were lost and dying and hurting and needed a Savior. I didn't leave heaven to come be in church. Leave heaven to come and teach you how to sing better worship songs. That's not what I'm here for. I didn't mean, come down here all this way just to hang out with church people. I came to hang out with the hurting and the broken and the lost and, and the wounded. I came, I came to do that. I came to, to be with them. I came to be with the tax collector. I, I love you, God. I'm going to change the name of Matthew to remind him that and I, I saved him with the gift of God. It wasn't him. I came down here to hang out with all Matthew's friends. I came down here to walk around with fishermen and tax collectors and even the, even the guy who was a thief will betray me at the end of my life. I came to spend my time with those people. That's who I wanted to be around. If I wanted to be around church people, I'd show up at the church, but I don't want to do that. I want to be with the broken. So I'm going to go from town to town. I'm going to go everywhere. I'm going to tell everybody there's a kingdom of God and I am. So that everybody gets a chance and everybody gets a shot and everybody gets away and those people you look at and you tell there's no way they can come to God, I'm going to tell them you're liars and not to listen to you. Because everybody gets a shot. I can't wait for that. And just to prove that, I'm going to show up in the middle of the city. I'm going to come into Capernaum and I'm going to find the worst guy that I can find in the whole city. Somebody that everybody looks down on. I'm going to go to that guy's house and I'm going to save him so that people know that, that, that there's hope for him. I can save Matthew. I can save you. But I'm just going to say, you need to get on board too. You're not perfect either. I wish you would have changed that to, I didn't come to call the self righteous, but the sinners. See, the truth is, Jesus came to make a way for everybody, and that means the temple priests all the way down, because all those people fit in one category. And that category is sinner. I'm going to let you know this morning, you fit in that category. I don't care who you are or who you think you are or what you think you might be or what you think you're going to pay or what you think you get to. There's two categories, and Jesus only came to save one of them. So I'm just going to let you know you only want to be in one. And that is sinner. I'll wear that on the shirt. Not because I'm proud of it, but because I'm proud of what Jesus did in it. Amen.
Amen? I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm not okay that, that I live in it. I'm not okay that I do it. I'm not okay that I deal with it. I'm not okay with that, that I struggle in it. I'm not okay with that, but I'm okay that Jesus came and saved me and loved me. I'm okay that I messed up if that means Jesus can work in me. I'm okay that I don't have it all together if that means that God can put it back together for me. I'm okay with it if that means that he came for me. And I just want you to know this morning, you can't look down from the top of the center ladder on the people at the bottom of the center ladder because we're all on the same ladder, right? That's like the guy in the front of the welfare line looking at the guy in the back and making fun of him. You may, you may get yours first, but you're still in the same line. We're all in the same boat. I'm okay with that because Jesus came to save us all. Some of us this morning, I mean, I, I, mean, I, hope, you, I hope you hear that reality. And Jesus didn't simply come so that you could bow down on one of these things and say, I don't want to go to God. That's the only thing you ever got. You need to revisit one of these things. If all you are is content with the fact that you're not going to burn forever, you need to revisit somewhere. And you need to pray that God gets you to the place where you will let your whole life to be with Him. Because follow me doesn't mean I don't want to burn. Follow me means, man, I, I will. Right? Follow me means everything on the table, Jesus, I will. Follow me means if you call me to Africa, Jesus, I will, right? Some of you guys are like, no, wish that on me. I'm not here to you. <laughs> See, the truth of it is, Jesus says, nobody builds a tower without first counting the cost to see if he can complete it. If you, if you want to follow Jesus, what it means is everything's on the table, or you just know right now that you're not. I'm not saying you're lost, I'm saying you're not in a relationship. You can determine the other thing for yourself. Because when we say yes to Jesus, we don't say yes except for because anything less than a yes is enough. Some of us this morning, maybe you're kind of starting into that process. That's okay. Jesus, I've said week after week after week after week after week, I want to be closer to you. I want to know you. I want, I want to feel you. I want to experience you. I want to be a friend. I want, I want to love you. And I want to be loved by you. And I want to know that. Some of you pray that every single week. And I just want to say, what did Monday look like? Because Monday wasn't different than the Monday before. You prayed a prayer and it was awesome, but you never walked in it. God, I pray you grow me a field full of corn. We'll get out there with a hoe and plant some corn. And God might do. Actually, I'm pretty sure he will. God, I want to be closer to you. Well, then grab the Bible and sit down and give him some time. Some of you guys have prayed week after week after week after week. God, I want to be involved in your plans. I want to see you do something in my friends, in my family. I want to see you do something in my job, in, in, in the neighborhood, in the city. I want to see you do that. But you've not moved one inch towards telling somebody about Jesus. And I just want to let you know, God's ready to pour out all that on you. He's got a bag full of I'll let you be involved in. But until you move towards that process, it's not just going to miraculously happen. Somebody's not going to bump into you and your saved is going to rub off on their not saved. That's not how it's going to work. 
but you're going to have to make a move towards the gospel at work or at home. But I just want to remind you, when Matthew left up out of the tax office, it seems like he followed Jesus to his house. Right? So it's true. He followed him. Then they left him. Maybe some of you guys need to follow Jesus to your house today. You don't drive Jesus to your house, you follow him to your house. Maybe some of you guys tomorrow need to follow Jesus to your work. Another way. Let's pray. You let Jesus lead you there. Maybe some of you guys need to follow Jesus to the store today. Or to the wherever today. Or to your friends today. You don't need to go in. You need to follow him in. There's no 38-year process of teaching there. He was ready to use Matthew in the moment. All you got is sinner, friends. That's great. That's what I'm looking for. All you got is sinner, family. That's great. That's what I'm looking for. This morning, I just want to let you know there's a couple things Jesus is calling us to. For some of you, that looks like I'm the worst sinner ever in the world, and I need a Savior. And that's just your call this morning. Jesus is saying, follow me, and you say yes or no this morning. Anything less than yes is enough. Some of you guys this morning, you've heard me pray maybe even every week. I want to be close to you. God this morning and say, hey, you you got your fire insurance. That's great. You have no relationship with me, and you need to step into that this morning. Do you want to follow me, or do you want to not follow me? Do you want to come to church? Do you want to follow me? Do you want to know me, or do you want to know the songs? Which one do you want to know? And I'll give you what you want this morning. You need to say yes or no. Anything less than yes is enough. Some of you guys this morning, you said week after week after week after week, hey God, I want to do something in my work. I want to come in and I want to lead people to you at work. I want to lead people to you at home. Or I want to lead people to you at my job or wherever. And this morning, Jesus is saying, well, I'm going to work on Monday. And if you want to follow me, we can go. But you can say yes or no. I'm going, actually, to home right now when we leave here. I'm, I'm going to your house, and I'm willing to sit down at dinner with the people you love. I'm willing to do that, but you've got to follow me there. You can't just take it. It's not going to get it. It's not going to do it. You need to say yes or no, and you need to less than yes today. You know. 